Welcome in to episode two of the newly renamed Ross Sports Report. So after I recorded uh, the first episode and titled it Robbo's World, I was quickly, uh, I'm not going to say attacked because attack's not the right word, by my family. Um, my wife, Kelly, thought that Robbo's World sounded like a YouTube channel where I was going to be opening toys uh, like kids do on YouTube. So changed the name. My daughter, Jenna, my son, Ray, and stepson, Colton, all, we kind of came up and tried to figure out a new title, and we settled on the Ross Sports Report. We created a a Twitter handle, at Ross, S-P-R-T-S, report at twitter.com, and Colton, as talented as he is uh, with computers and uh, Apple products, but all computers really, but mainly Apple products is his thing. If there's something you want to know about an Apple product, or if you're about to buy an Apple product, iPhone, iPad, MacBook, AirPods, Apple Pencil, you name it, Colton is the one to come to. So if you're looking to buy a new Apple product, get in touch with me. I'll get you in touch with Colton and he will break it down for you to make sure you're getting the best deal on the best um, piece of Apple machinery you need. So credit the new logo of the Ross Sports Report to Colton, who created it uh, from scratch, and he's very talented in doing that um, on the computer and everywhere else. So big week of sports since we've last been here. Um, high school football was exciting on Friday night. I'm going to talk about that. I was at the Richmond Hill game and, uh, saw a finish, uh, on which any I've ever seen, uh, over the, the, the span of my career behind a microphone. Um, college football Saturday was crazy and wild on a couple of games, not that many great games involved, um, but still held some, some excitement and, some intrigue, of course, any day watching college football is a great day. Uh, and I got to watch a good majority of it with Georgia Southern on the road in, in Birmingham. Uh, looking forward to being back in Paulson this coming Saturday against Ball State. We'll talk about that. NFL Sunday and Monday was was fun. Uh, things starting to shake out a little bit. Some teams really starting to rise to the top, even though it's just two weeks in. Uh, there are some really, really good teams and, of course, uh, some some teams that are struggling. We'll talk about that. The Braves had a good week looking at that as well as we are 100% immersed in the stretch run. And uh, it is going to be a battle to, I think, the final, uh, final weekend, final two series of the year, uh, trying to figure out who's going to win the division. And the President's Cup is this week up at Quail Hollow in Charlotte. Uh, the first... International versus the United States uh, competition on the golf course since Live Tour has come into uh, being, has been created. So lots to get to. First off, I want to start with with uh, Richmond Hill. Um, Friday night um, at uh, against Richmond Hill, uh, or against New Hampstead, I should say, and I'm looking something up real quick, the, the number of games that I've done previous uh, before I saw a finish like this, 
it's a lot. It's in the 400 range since I started doing high school football with Gainesville High back in 1995 and 96 and uh, Furman and Madison County, Washington, Wilkes, on and down the line. Now Georgia Southern and Richmond Hill uh, going to throw a Frederica game in there this week as well. But um, I think four close to 450 games that I've done um, in PA or radio one way or the other, and I've never seen a finish like I saw Friday night. Richmond Hill down 20-10, to 10, got the ball back with just under two minutes to go, scores a touchdown with 18 seconds to go. Uh, took them a while to score that touchdown. They had to use all their timeouts. They got bogged down at the five-yard line, finally got it in third and goal uh, with 18 seconds left, cut it 27 to, no, 20 to 17, and, uh, and then had to get the onside kick kicked a, a perfectly executed onside kick, recovered it, but New Hampshire had called timeout prior to the kick. Redo. Uh, kick it again. Get the onside kick. Two plays later with three seconds to go, Blake Williams kicks a 45-yard field goal to tie it to go to overtime at 27. And then uh, New Hampstead scores first to go uh, up 27 to 20. Richmond Hill then scores on their first play of overtime, uh, 27-26, and uh, without hesitation, uh, head coach Matt Lazat just puts those two fingers in the air and goes for two and wins at 28-27. So they scored 10 points in 18 seconds to win the game in overtime, and you can hear more, an in-depth version of that uh, on my podcast with Coach Matt Lazat. Uh, the Richmond Hill Wildcat podcast we do every week over at 912sports.net. Uh, also, if you're interested, Brantley County, uh, they were off. I do their podcast as well with Coach Jeff Cannon. You can listen to that one at 912sports.net. They got a tough one this weekend as they open region schedule against Pierce County and also the Frederica Academy Night podcast on 912sports.net with Coach Brandon Derrick. You can give a listen to that as well. Frederica uh, hosting Clinch County this past week or this coming week, and I'll be there uh, to do to do PA for that one. Looking forward to being under the oaks, as they say, at St. Simons Island. Uh, some other uh, noticeable scores um, in high school football. Brunswick took care of Islands. Brunswick now undefeated on the year, and they are getting set – for the big one around these parts um, each year, the city championship at Glen County Stadium against Glen Academy. Uh, there will be a full house at Glen County Stadium capacity crowd uh, as Coach Rocky at Algo and his Glen Academy Terrors try to win back the city championship belt. They have a belt, uh, a championship belt that they pass back and forth. I think uh, Brunswick's won it two years in a row, so that will be interesting to keep an eye on. Other places, the Red Elephants of Gainesville, my alma mater, now at number five in the state in 6A this week. Uh, good things going on, Coach. Uh, Niblet up there really has things going. they um, messing with some uniforms a little bit. Black uniforms two weeks ago, I'm not a fan. I'll go on record and say that I'm not a fan of black uniforms. The best-looking uniform, in my opinion, ever in, in all of high school or college football are the Red Elephants all-white road uniforms with a white helmet. This past week on the road, they beat Appalachia 55-6. They debuted red helmets, which I'm not so upset about. 
those were pretty cool. If you want to look and, and take a look, go to uh, Gainesville Football on Twitter. They had a picture of the red helmet, which I wasn't mad about. Um, although I'm more of a purist when it comes to my red elephant football and the uniforms, uh, that white helmet with that G and the red and black stripes looks pretty good. But um, if you're going to alter it a little bit, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the red helmet. Uh, some other scores uh, around uh, the state that uh, caught my eye, Elbert County and Washington Wilkes. Of course, I was at Washington Wilkes for, for four years doing radio for the Tigers and always a big rival. One county to the north is Elbert County. Uh, Washington Wilkes uh, had them at home and, and fell to Elbert County um, in a close one. I think it was like 20, yeah, tw- uh, 32 to 20. Um, if you uh, Elbert County, I've done one game there. Um, back when we did, uh, Washington Wilkes, uh, I can't remember what year that was, maybe 2011, 2012, uh, did one game up there in the, uh, Granite Bowl. And if you have never been to Elbert County to watch a high school football game in the Granite Bowl, you need to find the time to do that. It is one of the most unique settings for any athletic event anywhere in the country. Uh, especially in the state of Georgia, the bottom level bowl all the way around is, or at least the visitor side and the, uh, and the and the home side, made completely out of granite because, as everyone knows, Elbert County is the granite capital of the world. And so the granite bowl is, is very unique. They have an old scoreboard from Sanford Stadium that used to be red. Now it's blue with blue devils on there. Um, I think from the eighties, they moved it from El- from Athens to, uh, Elberton, uh, in the, in one of the end zones of the, of the, of the Granite Bowl there at Elbert County. Um, so pretty unique place there. Uh, really enjoyed my time at Washington Wilkes and in, in Northeast Georgia, uh, traveling around there with, with the current and, uh, voice of the Tigers at the time. Also Tom Duggan, who does a fantastic job. You can listen to him. On Friday nights, WLBRadio.com. Uh, just a just a great uh, broadcast that he puts on, and it was a lot of fun being up in Washington Wilt. So some good football coming up this week. Um, we'll talk about that. We talked about the city championship. Frederica hosting Clinch, Richmond Hill on the road at Coffee, Brantley, and Pierce County. Uh, starting their region schedules as the region is starting to pick up. I mean, all of a sudden, teams have played five games. Uh, we're into week six of high school football, and it's not even fall yet, officially. I think fall starts later on this week, uh, the official fall. But we are already into week six, which is which is absolutely crazy uh, that we are halfway through the regular season of high school football. So, uh, Saturday, we had uh, a college football spectacular, as every Saturday in the fall is. Georgia took care of business against South Carolina in a big way over in Columbia. Stetson Bennett was sick, uh, had his flu game, a la Michael Jordan, in uh, game six of the NBA Finals in 98 against the Jazz. Didn't miss a beat. Um, wasn't feeling great, didn't need to feel great to beat the Gamecocks. Uh, Gamecocks. We're looking to be improved, I think, in year two of Beamer, but they're not. Um, they got a long way to go, at least to catch the Georgia Bulldogs, which a lot of people do. Uh, a lot of people have a long way to go to catch the Georgia Bulldogs. But, uh, you know, you had high hopes with Spencer Rattler if you were a Gamecock fan coming in from out Oklahoma, but they just have so many problems there 
defensively, I think more than anything else, and up on the offensive line, they can't really run the football and can't protect Spencer Rattler. But uh, South Carolina may, may be in for a long season. Be, a lot of people on Twitter I saw uh, comparing Beamer to Brad Scott, which if you're a longtime Gamecock fan, you know that's not a very good comparison. Uh, Brad Scott and then moved on, oddly enough, to be on the staff at Clemson uh, with his son, Jeff Scott, who's now at Central uh, South Florida, who gave Florida one heck of a battle. Uh, so if you want to keep an eye on a, on a, on a Florida team that's a, not a Power Five in the next couple of years, keep your eye on South Florida. Jeff Scott does a fantastic job and will do a, a great job. Billy Napier postgame had nothing but great things to say about Jeff Scott. They coach together, too at Clemson, so they have a relationship. Um, Furman Paladins, my time at Furman, uh, I still keep up with the Paladins, and uh, they took on East Tennessee State, and I mentioned in the podcast last week that uh, Clay Hendricks and George Quarles facing off uh, in uh, their first matchup against each other since George moved on from the offensive coordinator spot at Furman to the head coach at East Tennessee State. Uh, The Paladins got a win there. On the road in Johnson City, which is something that back when I was uh, with the Paladins didn't come around very often. I think in my tenure um, when when East Tennessee State was in the league, I think that there was only one time I left Johnson City with a win uh, in that mini dome that they had up there, which was uh, an interesting place to play, to say the least. Uh, an interesting place to broadcast the game. They did not have an elevator, and it was a long walk up the stairs carrying radio equipment. but. Uh, Anyway, um, congratulations to Coach Hendricks. I know that that he and, and George, um, it was tough. I mean, it's tough when you're coaching against uh, great friends and uh, good for the Paladins. Paladins looking pretty good. Of course, they're only lost to Clemson so far. East Tennessee State has dropped two, but uh, George Quarles will get that moving in the right direction. Uh, I, I I joked and, and talked to Bobby Lamb earlier this week. He he had a uh, a bucket of golf balls. Uh, that he sent a picture to uh, George and, and Clay and said the winner gets that. And I joked and sent a picture of a, a Sea Island head cover and said the winner of that gets the Sea Island head cover because George and, George and Clay come down and play golf uh, once a year with me. Um, and uh, we always have a great time with that. So I said, I got a head cover for the winner. Bobby Lamb has a, a bucket of beat up golf balls for the winner as Bobby was in one of those matchups with Clay for a couple of years too. So uh, interesting the ties that that bind all these coaches, and it even goes as uh, as far as to Virginia with uh, Tony Elliott, Taylor Lamb, uh, Des Kitchings, part of the Virginia coaching staff that all fall under the Bobby Lamb coaching tree. Uh, of course, Taylor was Bobby's son, or is Bobby's son. J- uh, uh, Tony Elliott and Des Kitchings uh, pl- uh, coached under Bobby when he was at Furman. Des played under Bobby Johnson and Bobby Lamb as well at Furman very well uh, back in the day. But uh, the coaching tree of the Lamb family extends well across the southeast and and all across the country. Uh, Game day uh, at Appalachian State. Um, I have cousins that were there. My cousin, Melissa, her husband met at Appalachian. Uh, Their four children now have either gone to or are going to Appalachian. And all my feelings aside about the Mountaineers, now that I'm an Eagle and a former Paladin, uh, one thing in common between the Georgia Southern Eagles and the Furman Paladins is they do not like Appalachian State. And I have never been 
really fond of Appalachian State for various reasons. One being, I've never went to, never left Boone with a win when I was a a, a, radio, a radio guy for Furman. Never left Boone with a win, and there were always weird and wacky finishes. And this past week, another weird and wacky finish in front of the national crowd as the game day had a huge crowd, and then they won the game in interesting fashion, to say the least, uh, with a Hail Mary. They were calling it Miracle on the Mountain 2. And I had the displeasure of being on hand for Miracle on the Mountain 1 20 years ago in 2002. And if you haven't seen highlights or know anything about Miracle on the Mountain 1, go to YouTube. It's there. Don't worry. And also Appalachian State's Twitter, Appalachian State Football Twitter, put up a montage of Miracle on the Mountain 1 and Miracle on the Mountain 2. Basically, Miracle on the Mountain 1, Furman was trailing the entire game, goes down, scores a touchdown, goes up 18-17, I think. And this was Bobby Lamb's first year. Decided to go for two. Billy Napier was the quarterback. Decided to go for two. A play got the play got misconstrued and was called in incorrectly from the sidelines. Billy ran it, threw an interception to Josh Jeffries, a defensive lineman on the goal line, and Josh Jeffries then pitched it back to Derek Black, who took it all the way back for a two point conversion, and Furman then trailed by one. And I'm standing in the press box. I was uh, at the time. Of that, in 02, I was a spotter, uh, host of pregame, halftime, postgame shows. Uh, so I was just standing there. I said, okay, okay, we get the ball. We still have time, 10, 15 seconds left. But then uh, and halfway down the field as Derek Black's running back to return the two-point conversion. I'm like, no, no, no. Furman has to kick back off. So there's no chance. I mean, there's no chance. That was Miracle on the Mountain 1. Everybody saw Miracle on the Mountain 2 this past weekend. Um, every time I went to Boone, crazy things happened. Uh, in 2000, driving for a, a, a go-ahead score or to increase the lead uh, through an uh, interception in the end zone um, when uh, quarterback was Justin Hill was trying to throw it out of the back of the end zone. App goes down, scores, wins the game. 0-4, back and forth it went. Uh, Furman had the lead, and then another late interception returned for a touchdown. Uh, to lose in 04, 05. Um, it was in the semifinals of the playoffs. Furman leading by, I want to say, three going in to score to go up nine with about two minutes to go in the third quarter. Been dominating the game all day. Uh, App starting quarterback Richie Williams was on the sideline, uh, being injured, and they had Trey Elder, the backup in, and hadn't really been doing anything. It was cold. It was December. There was snow. Ingle Martin fakes the bootleg could have crawled, literally crawled into the end zone from the three-yard line, slips on the ice, then fourth and goal. Everybody knew it was going to go to Jerome Felton, who was a big run, uh, fullback, uh, got stopped. App goes down, scores, wins, goes on to win three straight national championships, uh, 05, 06, 07. Um, and then I think my last time there in 12, something quirky happened, uh, but lost there too. So, um, just a, a, a great place to watch a football game. Don't get me wrong. The fans, their energy is off the charts, but a place that I don't really uh, hold fondly in my mind just based on the fact that I've never won there 
and also leaving a couple of times, the fans decided to verbally attack and, and, and whatnot. The, the radio crew also, um, one time I went to Marshall in 96, but we'll talk about that closer to the Georgia Southern Marshall game. But um, speaking of Georgia Southern, um, Georgia Southern went on the road to uh, UAB and did not get the W. Uh, came up short against uh, the Blazers. Really couldn't get things going. Um, but it's so hard to come off a big win and then go on the road and, and continue that. But UAB is pretty good defensively. Uh, Kyle Van Trees just a little bit off on Saturday. Still had a chance to to steal it at the end. But the the, uh, the Eagles back on back at home at Paulson Stadium uh, this weekend against Ball State. Kickoff at six. So if you want to hear um, me do some work at Paulson Stadium, go on out to Statesboro and buy a ticket, and you can hear the voice of uh, Paulson Stadium do his thing. That's me. Uh, we'll do it um, against Ball State, and then another couple of weeks and off, and then October 15th back with James Madison, another couple of weeks, and then off until uh, the first week in November. So November is very home game heavy for the Eagles. Three home games in November, just two in September, one in October. So some time in between home games at Paulson Stadium. But uh, the Eagles in the right direction under Clay Helton, uh, doing some great things and really, really got the thing moving in the right direction after the last couple of years with with Chad Lunsford. And and I think Coach Helton probably going to light a fire under those Eagles and, and really put it to Ball State this Saturday. Um, another – a couple of games in the – in the Sun Belt that are interesting uh, coming up this weekend, uh, Thursday night, we have uh, Georgia State and uh, and Coastal Carolina opening the conference season um, uh, in Atlanta, which will be interesting. Georgia State has is probably the, the best 0-3 team in the country, um, almost having the opportunity to beat South Carolina in week one. Uh, hanging right there with North Carolina in week two and then getting upset late by a Charlotte team that was a 20-point underdog going into Atlanta. Uh, Coastal Carolina 0-3, uh, Georgia State 0-3. Coastal Carolina is 3-0. and And they've had a, they had a close call with Gardner-Webb two weeks ago and uh, beat Buffalo last week. So it'll be interesting to see how that shapes up. Uh, also, uh, one that is interesting in Boone uh, on Saturday – at uh, 3.30, James Madison, new to FBS, new to the Sun Belt, uh, going on the road to take on Appalachian State in a big game in the Sun Belt East. So two big matchups in the Sun Belt East this weekend, Thursday in Atlanta and Saturday in Boone uh, before Georgia State opens Sun Belt to play uh, against South Alabama in two weeks, which will be interesting as well. Um, so um, some other games, of course, um, back now, it looks like Florida and Tennessee, uh, are back on the radar as meaning something as the Gators will head up to Rocky top and take on the Tennessee volunteers. Let's see. What time is that game? As I'm scrolling, you know, you think I'd be a little more prepared, but, um, the 3:30 CBS game, 11th ranked Tennessee hosting 20th ranked Florida. Do either of these teams have what it takes to overcome Georgia? I don't know. I mean, or is it just who's playing between Florida, Tennessee, and Kentucky? Who's playing for second place 
in the SEC East. Uh, that is what we are determining, I think. Uh, but you never know. Uh, Tennessee can score a lot of points. They're a 10.5-point favorite against the Gators, who have struggled to score points since that first week upset against Utah. Uh, so that will be interesting to see. 3.30 in Rocky Top, North Carolina and Notre Dame. Uh, North Carolina's 3-0, and a one-and-a-half-point favorite against Notre Dame at 1-2. and Notre Dame still trying to find themselves after that 0-2 start, after they were ranked in the top 10 to start the year. Uh, early game, 12 o'clock noon, uh, Wake Forest and Clemson uh, in Winston-Salem. Does Wake Forest have what it takes to upset Clemson, or is it a second place in the Atlantic Division type situation as well between Wake and NC State uh, to see if they can overcome the Tigers? Uh, Wake Forest, of course, won the division last year in Clemson's down year. Wake had to survive, and I mean survive in overtime, uh, to defeat Liberty. Liberty uh, went for two uh, in overtime, didn't get it, uh, or else um, Wake would be uh, with uh, one loss. But Wake did drop from 19th to 21st um, with that close win over over Liberty, who is coached by Hugh Freeze. Uh, Liberty's a fine program. They're joining, I think, the Conference USA maybe next week um, or next year. One of those. Uh, not the Sun Belt, I know. But um, uh, also on the docket Saturday, Georgia Tech on the road at Central Florida. Will this be uh, Jeff Collins' swan song? We kind of wondered, wondered about it after they got just absolutely manhandled by Ole Miss in Atlanta over the weekend, uh, but they go to Central Florida in a game that I would have to think that Jeff Collins has to win, has to win. They're a 20-and-a-half-point underdog, so they're not favored to win by any stretch. But I do think that they're going to have to find a way to, to win that game in order for Jeff Collins to uh, maintain his position. Arkansas and Texas A&M, another situation where are they just playing for second place in the SEC West? Arkansas – had to survive and and battle back in the second half to beat Missouri State, coached by uh, Bobby Petrino on Saturday. Uh, Arkansas, the 10th-ranked team in the country. Texas A&M uh, at 2-1 and one already with that loss to Appalachian State. They have no wiggle room uh, in terms of making the at-large bid to the playoffs. Um, they would have to win the conference in order to do that. But uh, Texas A&M did look a little bit better uh, this past week. but. Um, Still, this will be a tough test for the Razorbacks to go into Kyle Field. Does Texas A&M play the road games? Uh, I don't know. They've been at home now three weeks in a row. Uh, but I will say Miami didn't look great, but Texas A&M didn't look great either. Uh, Miami's play calling was kind of suspect there in the red zone. Miami dominated that game between the 20s. But getting in the red zone, they were pretty much awful in, in the red zone, and, and Texas A&M won that one. Marshall and Troy, another Sun Belt game. Uh, on the NFL Network, oddly enough, 7 o'clock Saturday night. Uh, Bama has Vanderbilt. No problem there for the Tide. Ohio State and Wisconsin going to be a blackout in Columbus. I saw an ad for that uh, over the weekend uh, coming up. I think I saw it during Monday Night Football. A blackout in Columbus as Ohio State hosts Wisconsin. Um, other games of interest, not really anything. USC. Seems to have it rolling under Lincoln Riley. They go to Oregon State, who is 3-0. USC, a six-and-a-half-point favorite there. So that is the college football slate for this weekend. Uh, NFL 
this week. Week two was just as exciting as week one, if not more so. Started off on Thursday night with the Chiefs and the Chargers. Chiefs did what they needed to do to win that game. Uh, the Falcons are the Falcons, as we said last week, are the Falcons, are the Falcons. The Rams had them blown out. Rams, uh, Falcons battle back, but then couldn't get the job done at the end. The Jets, Joe Flacco came out of nowhere in the fourth quarter to beat the Browns in, in surprising fashion. The Bucks took care of the Saints. Jameis Winston threw, I think, three interceptions and three straight possessions uh, during that game before they kind of mounted a little bit of a comeback. But um, when the game was still, uh, you know, undecided, Jameis Winston threw three picks and three straight possessions, which is not good if you're a Saints fan. Uh, Tom Brady did just enough to get done what he needed to to take a to take a 2-0 record now into week three. The Giants, uh, they're 2-0. I saw a stat where it's been 3,790-something days since the Giants the Jags and the Jets all won on the same day, 3,794 days. And then also going back to college football, I saw another stat that I think for the first time ever, ever in the history of college football, first time ever, North Carolina, Wake Forest, NC State, and Duke are all 3-0 for the first time in the history of college football. All Four and zero or three and zero, all four of them. Interesting enough, Kansas up there too, and Syracuse, and uh, well, there was another basketball school that you consider to be a basketball school that was there as well. The Jags, I said, got to win. They beat the Colts twenty-four nothing. The Matt Ryan experiment for the Matt Ryan era in Indianapolis not going as planned so far. The the Dolphins, what a game by Tua. Tua had a fantastic game through for almost 500 yards, a number of touchdowns, and they came back from the dead almost to beat the Ravens 42-38 to in Baltimore. Great game there. 49ers took care of the Seahawks. Cowboys shockingly took care of the Bengals. I don't know what the deal is with the Bengals. Of course, everyone knows they played in the Super Bowl last year and just – did not look good at all against the Cowboys and their backup quarterback. So the Cowboys moved to one and one at 20 to 17 win over the Bengals. The Broncos, not as exciting as you would like if you were a Bronco fan with Russell Wilson as your new quarterback. Didn't look as great as you would hoped in the first two weeks. They got a win over the Texans, 16 to nine, very un- underwhelming fashion. The Cardinals in the game of the day came back from 20 to nothing to beat the Raiders on the road in overtime. Kyler Murray, with the play of the year so far, scrambled around for about 45 yards, finally made it into the end zone, and they win that one in overtime, 29-23. The Packers demolished the Bears. Bears are terrible. Bears are terrible. Packers, I don't think, are very good, but the Bears are worse. Absolutely awful. The Bears are going to struggle. And then last night, we're recording this on Tuesday, Last night, two, which I still have not found any really explanation to why there have been two NFL, why there were two Monday Night Football games last night at the same time, practically, on the same family of networks. ESPN game started at 7, and ABC's game started at 8.30. Uh, So I, I really didn't get an explanation, but the Bills 
look like the Super Bowl favorite that they are. Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, my goodness. They are a good football team. The Bills are, right now, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it, the Bills are my pick right now in week two to win the Super Bowl. Haven't quite figured out, although I'm pretty close, on who's going to be the NFC representative, but I think the Bills are my pick to win the Super Bowl. And my NFC representative played last night, too, and they looked that gum good, too. Jalen Hurts, my quarterback in fantasy, uh, A.J. Brown is my wide receiver, and Godair is my tight end. So I was pulling for the Eagles. They dominated the Vikings, who I thought the Vikings, after their performance against the Packers last week, I thought the Vikings would give the Eagles fits. They did not. 24-7 to the final score there. Jalen Hurts um, ran for three touchdowns in the style of offense that we have not really seen in the NFL running the quarterback option, quarterback read, however you want to call it, but he pulls it a lot more than any any other NFL quarterback ever has, and he rushed for three touchdowns, and the Eagles are my pick in the NFC to win the division, the conference, the league. Go to the Super Bowl, whatever it means. So Eagles, Bills, Super Bowl. You hear it here first. I'll let you know who's going to win that Super Bowl as we get as we get closer. The Bravos, as we mentioned, Braves and Mets. I tell you, it's going to go down to the wire. Uh, the Braves host the Mets the first weekend of October, or last last day of September, and the first weekend of October. So. You know, the Braves host the Mets September 30th, October 1st, which I will be at that game with the kids in September 2nd uh, before the Braves go on the road to finish the 3rd, 4th, and 5th October in Miami. Uh, Braves are right now in the midst of a series, two more games with the Nationals. Uh, Braves swept the Phillies over the weekend. Nationals are just counting their days till they can go on vacation. Hopefully the Braves can finish that up. Then four in Philly this weekend, which will be interesting because Philly is battling for a wild card spot and still very much in it. So that's four big games in Philadelphia this weekend for the Braves before they go to Washington next Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, and then come home for the Philly or for the Mets in what may very well may determine the division. Uh, the Braves right now find themselves one game back of the Mets. Uh, the Mets are in Milwaukee tonight and tomorrow. And then Thursday, let's see, the Mets take a day off before this weekend. They it seems like they got to go on the road. I mean, they've been on at home forever. Yeah, the Mets go to Oakland for the weekend and then on uh, a week from this time next week, the Mets will be uh, in Florida against the Marlins. So the schedule makers not doing the Braves any favors, except they are with the Brewers right now, which is tough. But uh, they got the the A's and the Marlins before the Braves and, and Mets get together um, in Atlanta in a couple of weeks. And let's see who the who the Mets finish up with. Uh, that last bit in October would be the Nationals. So <laughs> the schedule makers not doing the Braves any favors. Uh, the A's, the Marlins, and the Nationals uh, are who the, the Mets finish up with along with the Braves, where the Braves have the Phillies twice right now and then again, and then the Nationals twice. But 
it'll be interesting to see. Of course, uh, the big news, uh, the big news is that Ozzie Albies, uh, he, his second game back on Saturday, sliding in the second base, breaks or fractures his finger. And so he's out for the remainder of the regular season. Um, just and, and not just the fact that Ozzie, what Ozzie does on the field and at the plate, it's just what Ozzie brings to the clubhouse and the dugout that I think you miss more than anything else because um, you saw Ronald Acuna playing looser, playing better when Ozzie was in there Friday and Saturday, and you just miss having Ozzie around, I think, more than anything. But he may be able to make a, a, a comeback in the playoffs yet to be determined. The good news is the Braves are in a much better spot now when Ozzie got hurt than previously. Arcia did a fine job before he got hurt, though, at second base. But Grissom, uh, you can pop him right in there and not really lose too much, offensively anyway. Uh, defensively, you still miss a little bit in Ozzie, but it's it's really what Ozzie brings to the dugout in the clubhouse, I think, is what you miss more than anything else. Uh, but Grissom's doing a fine job there as a rookie. Michael Harris continues his great play. Spencer Strider struck out 200 over the weekend or reached 200 strikeouts over the weekend, um, doing a great job as a rookie. Robbie Grossman, I think, is this year's Jock Peterson maybe even a little bit better offensively, um, but a very good surprise there. Matt Olson. A lot of uh, naysayers on Twitter here lately. Matt Olson is in a slump, but hopefully he finds a way to snap back out of it. And think about it, you know, Matt Olson hasn't played that many meaningful games in September and October in his career. So he has to be able to condition himself to stay at that high level September on into October, whereas he hasn't had to do that before as a member of the Oakland A's that many times. I think maybe one time they made the playoffs, but. Um, so he's got to find a way to, you know, get it back in that four spot um, to to continue on. Austin Riley still having an MVP type season, but it's going to come out to the wire this time last year. Um, you know, the Braves clinched, or at least 2019, the Braves clinched this time uh, three years ago. Uh, 2020 was a whole different ball game, but last year, Braves uh, haven't won as many games, but had a bigger lead going down the stretch. But it's going to be exciting. Every game's going to matter from here on out. Uh, tonight against Philly in Washington, and then or, or tonight against Washington, and then the four games Thursday, th- uh, Thursday through Sunday in Philadelphia are going to be pretty big. Um, lastly, uh, on the itinerary for today uh, is the President's Cup, and this is going to be the first United States uh, versus the world event um, since the uh, creation of the Live Tour. Uh, Some notable names that are missing from the um, U.S. team is uh, DeChambeau, Patrick Reed, Dustin Johnson. Maybe Phil Mickelson could have made that team as a captain's pick. Um, but those are the, those are the notables that are missing from the, from the team. Um, internationally, um, you know, there's some more that there that are missing. Cameron Smith would have, would no doubt be on that team. Um, 
some others that may have been there as well because of the live tour. But Cameron Smith is the notable one uh, off the international team. Of course, it wouldn't affect the Ryder Cup because he is not from Europe um, or from the the, uh, United Kingdom, I guess. That's who they pull that from. But the international team at Ekumatsuyama, Sungjae M, Tom Kim, Corey Connors, Mito Piera, Adam Scott, Taylor Pendrith, Sebastian Munoz, Siwoo Kim, Cam Davis, Christian Bedenzut, and K.H. Lee. You can't – none of that – none of nobody there scares you. If you're an American, Adam Scott maybe, but he's on the tail end of his career. That doesn't scare you. This, this American team looks pretty good, even without the people that I mentioned a, mem- a moment ago. Patrick Cantlay, Sam Burns, Justin Thomas, Scotty Scheffler, the number one player of the world, Xander Shoffley, Tony Finau, Cameron Young, Billy Horschel, Cora, Colin Morikawa, Kevin Kisner, Jordan Spieth, Max Homa. This could be an absolute boat race this weekend at Quell Hollow. If the United States does not win and close it out by Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon at the very earliest, there's something wrong. Davis Love III, the captain. Zach Johnson, assistant captain, uh, co-captain, however you want to say it, uh, up there as well. Zach, of course, is the captain of the 2023 Ryder Cup team that will play in um, Rome, Italy, next September. Uh, <coughs> you ask, where's Roy McElroy? Well, you know, he's a Ryder Cup guy. These are, these are non, how do you put it, non-United Kingdom players that make up the President's Cup team for the national squad. So you don't have Rory. You don't have Beef. Uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, the big guy, Beef. I, uh, I've lost it. I've lost it. Shane Lowry. That's it. You don't have some of the the the, the upper tier uh, players from Ireland or England or Scotland. So you're asking where's Rory? Rory doesn't qualify for this. So the United States team, and this is a team that you'll probably it'll be pretty close to a carbon copy of the team they take to Rome next next year, unless something crazy happens with the Lib and it disbands and they welcome them back, which I don't really see that happening. I don't really foresee that being a thing where all of a sudden the Lib disbands and the PGA Tour says, okay, yeah, come on back. This is probably a carbon copy of the team you're going to see in Rome in 2023 to win the Ryder Cup, hopefully. Hopefully. So, President's Cup should be a walk in the park, which will be good for everybody that loves golf in the United States, except for NBC, because nobody's going to watch it. Nobody's going to watch it. Um, because it's just going to be so one-sided, or it should be, should be one-sided this weekend at Quell Hollow. We'll see, though. You never know. But that'll do it for Episode 2 of the Ross Sports Report. Thanks for coming by. I appreciate it. Thanks for the listen. Give me a like on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Give me a retweet on Twitter. Let's build this thing. And again, we're going to add guests along the way. Um, Still taking nominations or um, requests to be the first guest. I got a couple. I got a couple standing by, but we got to figure out who's going to be that first guest. Uh, But it's going to be a lot of fun. And if anything else, it gives me a opportunity to sit and talk sports to you, whoever might be listening. And 
uh, please give me feedback on Twitter or wherever you may be listening to this podcast. We'll be back again next week for another installment of the Ross Sports Report. Thanks for listening.